with you. Uh, be sure and share these with other people and let them know just to be hearing the word and receiving what God is saying. All right. We're going to get into the lesson tonight. I'm just going to open this up. What we are going to be doing is I'm going to be sharing with you on the priority and power of prayer. The priority and power of prayer. And, and we are going to just be spending as much time as the Lord uh, directs us to on the subject of prayer. So just settle in a little bit because for the next several weeks, uh, don't have a set time yet, but for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. And what we're going to do as we go get into the teeth of this series, tonight I'm going to be opening it up, and we're going to be going a little bit different direction tonight, but when we get into the teeth of this series, what we're going to be doing is we are going to be studying through the book of Acts. And we will be taking, I will kind of guide you on a week-by-week -week basis, and we will be taking the book of Acts, a chapter in the book of Acts, and we are going to be looking at the priority of prayer and what prayer produced in that moment. And I really believe it is going to be an awesome study. As you read through the book of Acts, you see the priority of prayer. You see the power of the church as it is gathered and as it goes. And you begin to see change that begins to occur. And, and I know we talk about change a lot in the church. I've, I've been in the church a long time, as many of you have as well. And, uh, and I know that a key theme from my earliest memories as a small child in the church was that we need change. Our country needs change. Our world needs change. And we talk about it and we preach about it and we, we, we long for it. But here is the reality. Until we are serious about prayer and until we are engaged in prayer, we will not see the type of change that we read about in the book of Acts. I don't know if you do this or not, but when I read through the book of Acts, I have never yet read through that book without being tremendously challenged with what seems to be such an obvious lack in our churches today. Go, go read the book of Acts. And if that doesn't challenge you to ask yourself, okay, what is the difference in that church and the church of today. What, what is the difference? Because, because you read in the book of Acts and you are reading of the gospel. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ going around their world. And, and you are reading about in the midst of, of persecution. And in the midst of, of unpopular uh, moments. And in the midst of people being against them. And leadership being against them. And the religious world being against them. And rulers of Rome and rulers of other cities being against them. Mobs that would come out against them in the face of all of that. They pressed forward and changed their world. In fact, so much so that in Acts 17, one of the most challenging scriptures that, that we, can, we can find, and I, I'm just taking my time a little bit. I'm, I'm not in a hurry on this series because it, sometimes we get in too big of a hurry and we miss some things. But in Acts 17 and verse number 6, it, it, it says, one of the most challenging scriptures says, they did not find them. They were looking for... Um, uh, Paul and they were looking for those that were ministering but when they did not find them Acts 17 and 6 
they dragged Jason, that's whose home they were in, and some brethren to the rulers of the city. And they cried out and they said, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. These who have turned the world upside down. The church of the book of Acts, that early church, was a church that turned the world upside down. See, we, we are all worried and distraught because it feels like our world has been turned upside down. But when the world was upside down, do you know what the early church did? They set about turning it upside down to where it would make it right side up in God's kingdom. And I think rather than complaining and getting frustrated and whining about where we are as a society, I think we just need to begin to take the proper steps and rely upon the Lord and begin the process of seeing our world turned upside down for Jesus Christ again. We are in opportune moments because when sin abounds, what does the Bible teach? When sin abounds, what happens? Grace does much more abound. Now, how many would agree that we live in a world right now and in a culture right now that sin is abounding? The word abound just means it's everywhere. It's in abundance. It's everywhere you look. Would you agree that sin abounds right now? Well, well, if we're going to be people of the Word, then we need to realize that's a great opportunity. Because when sin abounds, where sin abounds, grace will much more abound. Because there is much more opportunity for grace when sin is abounding. Amen? And so when we see a culture that seems to be crazy... We need to see it as an opportunity for Jesus to step in and make a difference. And guess what? He's going to use His church. That's, that's the function that He's going to use. That's the body that He is going to use to make a difference. And so this concept that we are going to begin this, this process of looking at tonight is truly a concept of changing our world for Christ. And it's going to start with prayer and and it, and it's going to be completed through prayer and it's going to be sustained through prayer and so we're going to be talking about that so I want to encourage you over the next several weeks to begin to read through the book of Acts and I'll kind of give you some prior reading as we move along and 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 just challenge you a little bit to do some things and we will we will start that process tonight as I'll give you some things as we move forward but I really want this to be a study as I've been preparing for this the Lord took me back to some things that he had put in my heart many years ago that I had put down and we're going to revisit that just a little bit and then we're going to move forward with all of the new things that I believe the Lord is showing us. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to one verse first of all as we start this off. Not in the book of Acts but one verse in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. You know the word we, most of us, if you're raised in church at all, if you've got kids that are in kids' church with Pastor Dolores, they're probably, they probably can come home and talk to you about the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. They have been taught about putting on the whole armor of God. They have been trained to understand that. But I want to take for you in verse number 18. 
one verse, Ephesians 6 and verse number 18. And here's what it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read verse 19 and 20. And for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me. So, pray. And then he says, and pray for me. That utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. That in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, we, we're going to take in that, and I'm going to break this down for you into three areas, and we're going to look at those areas tonight as we begin this process on the priority and the power of prayer. And, and this, this verse, these three verses, I guess I should say, in the book of Ephesians in the sixth chapter, these three verses set the stage for an understanding on prayer. It's truly going to set the stage for us as, as we begin to move forward in our understanding of prayer. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 2, Paul writes this. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it. With thanksgiving. Be, be, let it become urgent in your life. Do, do you believe that prayer needs to be urgent in the church today? Among the believers of the Lord. Prayer needs to have a priority. And it needs to have urgency attached to it. That's, that's what we are coming to look at. And uh, uh, we, we need to understand what it is that God is wanting for us. So tonight what I want to do is I, I want to talk to you and, and, and I want to bring some things to you that, that the Lord has, has brought to me in the past that I put together a, a little booklet that I went through several times. And I've taken some people through this and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And then uh, the Lord has also given me some revelatory things that I want to share with you and then we're going to begin the process through the book of Acts so we're just going to see how far we make it tonight and how far we go so uh, the first thing is I want to tell you this tonight we are going to look at the fact that in Ephesians chapter 6 in this layout of prayer that sets the stage, he's already told them to put on the whole armor of God. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, putting on the armor of God. But now he's going to switch a little bit, even though it's all in the same process. And in verse 18, he says, praying always. So we're going to talk about what that means and what that looks like. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. We're going to, and in the New Living Translation, it says to pray in the Spirit at all times. All, all times. Every occasion. Take every occasion to pray. Amen. Praying at all times. Taking every occasion. To pray. And then the New King James says, be watchful. I believe in the New Living Translation, it says, be alert. 
be prepared. There it is. George has put it up there for us. Thank you, sir. That's a New Living Translation. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then, verse 19, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain His mysterious plan that the, is the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Three areas that we're going to look at as we open this up tonight about prioritized and powerful prayer. Three different areas that I'm going to talk to you about as we start this off. The first one is very obvious, personal prayer. Personal prayer. The second one that we will talk about tonight is intercessory prayer. Personal prayer, your communication time with the Lord, praying always, pray without ceasing, Paul teaches. Pray, praying always. So there's personal involvement in prayer. I mean, know that I don't have the statistics right here in front of me. I didn't look them up uh, to, to bring them. But I know at one point they were alarmingly low at the small amount of time per day that the average believer spends in prayer. I want to say, statistically, when statistics were, uh, you know, put out and people responded without their name being attached to it so they could be honest, the response level was uh, the average Christian prayed, I, I wanted to say, I mean, it was just like a minute a day. I mean, it was just, it was just so alarmingly low that it, that it was just unbelievable. And, and then the next question was to ministers. And the sad reality is, they weren't praying much more than just the average Christian. Prayer has to be a priority. And so we need to learn some things about that priority of personal prayer. Because it's our communication with the Lord. We're going to talk about that here in just a few moments. And then intercessory prayer. Praying. With what's going on in our world. Interceding on behalf of others. Spending time getting the mind of God on behalf of others. So that, that's, that's not selfish prayer. That's prayer that begins to look out. And then the third area is, is we will talk about ministry prayers. Or, or what I will call prayers of agreement. When we come together and we begin to pray in agreement together. I mean, no, there's power in agreement. Where two or three of you Agree on anything as touching anything on this earth, it, it shall be done for you. Amen. Prayer of agreement. That, that's a type of prayer that Paul says, if any are sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them gather together and know with all. They pray. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's, that's ministry prayer. That's, that's prayers of agreement. These three areas need to be prioritized because they are powerful. And without these areas, the church is, is powerless in a culture that is turned against everything of God. So we're just going to spend a little bit of time tonight talking about these three areas. And I'm going to take this that we're going to go through tonight 
out of a study and a plan that that I have have walked with some even in this church before. Uh, but I'm just going to do some reminder and some refreshing tonight about these three areas of, of first of all, personal prayer. This is devotional prayer. That's where we're going to start. Devotional prayer. We need to understand prayer is is important. And so as we just start this, we're going to talk about our personal devotional prayer time. First of all, let me say this. If you do not have a personal and devotional prayer life, you need to start one immediately. Not, not, well, when I have more time, I will. No, you need to, in fact, it is so important that you need to, once service is over tonight, you need to go home, and if you have not already set a personal devotional prayer time, you need to go home and you need to get started immediately before the enemy can try to distract you with other things. And the thing about personal devotional prayer is it has to be prioritized in your life. And it has to be it has to happen at a moment that you will remain consistent. Now, if if you constantly are saying, well, if I had more time, I would pray. You're not prioritizing prayer. You're prioritizing everything else that takes your time. It's going to be very practical tonight. This is not, we're not, we're not having a lot of deep revelation tonight. This is just, I'm just opening this up and we're just starting this journey together about prayer. So, so just settle in and get ready because it just, we're just going to look through some very practical things tonight. That, and, and the first one is you need to find a time wherein you can be consistent to spend time communicating with God and listening for his communication with you. M- many times what we consider prayer is a, is a dialogue. Where we are just talking to God. And usually it's a laundry list of things we need or want. And we call that prayer. But that is not the kind of prioritized powerful prayer in our personal lives that I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about that communication with the Father through Jesus Christ. That that's I'm not I said dialogue. Most of the time we feel like it's a monologue that we are just speaking out when it is supposed to be a dialogue where two are communicating together. So so you need to set a time. If if you can't find time to pray, then get up earlier than you have to get up to get ready for work. Get up earlier. And spend time reading or praying. You know what you just did? You just found time to pray. It's time you would have spent sleeping. So you're not doing anything else. So just get up a little bit earlier and spend time praying. Amen. Here's another thing about personal prayer. It's kind of like Bible reading. Don't lay in bed to do it. Amen. I've told you before, if, if you're fighting insomnia, best thing you can do is open up your Bible and start reading your Bible. The devil will put you asleep. Because he does not want you to read your Bible. <laughs> Amen. So, so find time. Make time. If you can't do that, if, you just, if you're one of them people that, I mean, you know, you just can't get up. 
you get up late enough to where the only thing you can do is throw on enough clothes to look presentable and get where you're going on time, then, then it's okay. There's still an opportunity for you. Here it is. Go to bed a little bit later and do it. Pray and read a little later. You just found time. You just made time. Amen. How practical is that? Right? When you're eating lunch. <laughs> Amen. Find time. Whatever you have to do, it is important. Okay? Let me help you with another very practical thing. If you are not in the habit of a personal devotional prayer life, do not make a sworn commitment to God that you're going to pray for three hours a day. While that sounds great, you probably are going to need to build up to that level. You, you probably need to just start with a little bit more doable time that you can start just spending time with the Lord, praying. Reading the Word is the same thing. It needs to be priority in our life. And, and devotional time is very, very important. A amen. So that's, that's pretty easy stuff. Let me, let me tell you some things that prayer does. This is, this is why prayer is important. Prayer, this, I've, I found a list of things, and, and it just caught my attention years ago, in a book called An Enemy Called Average. I don't know how many of you ever heard of that book. It just has devotions in it, little thoughts in it. And there was 12 benefits to prayer. I'm not going to probably read all of them, but here, here was some of the benefits to prayer. I mean, you know, a lot of times people don't pray because they don't really know what the benefits of prayer are. Here's some benefits of prayer. Prayer defeats the devil. Prayer saves the unbeliever. In the prayer of faith. Prayer edifies the believer. Amen. There's scriptures with all these. Prayer sends laborers into the harvest. So when we are lacking laborers, it is because we are lacking prayer. Prayer heals the sick. Prayer overcomes the impossible. When the disciples were put in prison, the church was praying. The prison doors were open for them. For Peter. Prayer overcomes the impossible. Prayer changes the natural. Amen? I'll just read them. Prayer brings the right things to pass. It makes the right things come to pass in your life. If you're praying, you're, you're releasing God. Prayer imparts wisdom. If you lack wisdom, James writes, ask. That's prayer. A lot of times, we, we don't know what to do, but we're not asking God. We ask everybody else. Why don't we ask God? Amen. Prayer brings peace. If you're uptight and worked up, anxious and scared and pray. Prayer releases peace. Prayer guards against temptation. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And prayer reveals God's answers on situations. Amen. There are benefits to prayer. 
I mean, that's, that's as basic as it gets. And, and people might say, well, Pastor, we know there's benefits to prayer. Then why aren't we praying? If we really believe that, then why is it not a priority? Why is everything else a priority? Do you know everything else that we really believe is important, we will practice. If you've got kids and the sports they're involved in are important, guess what you're going to have to do? Practice. Right? I can't hardly say that without saying practice. Talking about practice? Some of y'all get that. Some of you won't. But, that, but that's what you do with things that are important. You practice. You have to grow into it. You have to keep going. And, and church, this is important. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. I want to show you something. Romans chapter 12. This whole chapter, I want to, I want to walk you through this. Through consistent personal prayer and devotion, God will begin to reveal His purpose to you. Watch this. Write it down. Romans 12. Just make a note of this. Romans 12 and 1 tells us that we need to spiritually present ourselves to God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Acceptable unto God. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So you bring yourself before Him. That's what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is brought before Him. So you need to bring yourself before Him. Present yourself to the Lord. Amen. If you want the purposes of God, if you want the plans of God, you have to present yourself before Him. How do we do that? In prayer and communication with Him. We put ourselves before Him. Then something begins to happen. In verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as you present yourself before God, something begins to happen. A renewal process begins in your life. Your mind begins to be renewed as you are presenting yourself before the Lord. And then in verses 3 through 8, For I say through the grace given to me, everyone is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We have many members, but all members do not have the same function. We are one body in Christ, and we are members of one another. We have differing gifts. Use them in proportion. Whatever they are, do them the way God... What happens? We now are then able to evaluate our life in God's plan. We recognize that there are gifts that God wants to use. We are connected together as a body. We think of ourselves the right way, properly, and in the right position. So if we present ourselves before God, He, the, he renews our mind. A process of renewal happens. And then we evaluate this new life that He's given to us. Amen? Verses 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Relationship process begins to build. Prayer, presenting yourself before God, is a building process. You, you put yourself before the Lord in prayer and devotion and giving your life to Him and laying yourself, presenting yourself before Him. He renews your mind. The renewal process 
builds and grows. The evaluation process of this new life, you're able to see clearly, builds. Your relationship process with other people begins to build because now you will be able to love people the right way. Amen. Go, go read your Bible. And verses 11 and 12. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. Be steadfast in prayer. As you're doing this, an energizing process happens. Because now God is energizing you to where you can be patient in tribulations. You can be consistent in, in prayer. Amen. You, you, can, you cannot lag in diligence. You can be fervent in spirit. But you have to present yourself before the Lord so this process can begin and continue. And then verses 13 through 21. I won't read it all. But you can go read it. You can write it down. Because then a behavior process grows in you. Because then your behavior begins to change. And the pattern of your life, you'll no longer, you will repay no one evil for evil. You will regard good things in the sight of men. You will, you will live peaceably before others. Your behavior changes. All this stems from presenting yourself a living sacrifice. And to present yourself before the Lord involves prayer. It involves devotional time. It involves bringing your life into the presence of God. And prayer is the greatest way you can do that. That's personal, devotional prayer. It's a building process. It, it builds us. Prayer causes us to grow. Amen. Now, Something else I, I will encourage you to begin. If you don't already do it, this would be a great time to start doing it. And, and that is, start making you a prayer journal. Keep track of your prayer journey. Keep track of the things God is saying to you and you're hearing and you're believing for and you're asking for and, and the changes you're seeing in your life and how your behavior has changed. And make note, when, when, when you react a different way than you normally would, make note of that because you will recognize the more time I spend presenting myself before the Lord, the more changes I begin to see in my life. How many know the opposite is true as well? How many know... We prove this out all the time. The less time we spend presenting ourselves before the Lord, flesh, works of the flesh, wickedness, and all that begins to rise up in us. Because the less time we are spending presenting ourselves before the Lord, we are yielding our members to the works of the flesh. Amen. So it's important. Personal prayer is important. Amen. I can, you know, I can give you some things that you can talk about, but here's something that, that we, can, we could look at. We could evaluate these things at the end of our weeks. Have we spent adequate time with God? Have we kept our mind pure on the things of God? How have we done in our power and the authority of the positions we're living? Have we, have we operated the right way in our homes and on our jobs and... In our communities. Have we been faithful to our commitments to God? I wrote this down on the fifth question we could ask ourselves every week in our prayer journals. Have I lied on any of the above four? 
That gives us a second chance there at the end of our week to get things together. We, but, but make sure our life is growing. And presenting yourself unto the Lord is where that's going to come from. I know this is really basic, but like I said, this is what I came to do tonight. Is just be absolutely basic with you. We're going to go into some great things. But if we don't lay a foundation and a groundwork, then you're going to walk away from here saying, well, I don't really know how to do this, or I don't really know what the benefit of doing this really is all about. And I don't want anyone to leave that way. Do you know Jesus himself spent much time in personal prayer when he walked on this earth? He would, he would pull himself away from the crowds and away from the disciples and away, and he would find places of prayer. He would commit himself to communicating with the Father. Amen. And so if Jesus walking on this earth needed that communication time with the Father, guess who else needs it? Every one of us. And even in more abundant measure. Amen. So, this well, Now, when we speak of devotional, presenting ourselves before the Lord, this type of prayer, what are we talking about? Well, first of all, we're talking about prayer. And that's our communication with the Lord, that we're speaking to the Lord. But prayer also involves listening. You know, I've discovered some of my greatest times of prayer are spent when I'm not saying anything. I'm just listening. I'm just sitting in the presence of the Lord just listening for his stirring, for his voice. And you know what normally will happen? Normally the Lord will take me somewhere in the word. And the Lord will begin to speak something to me out of the word that I needed to hear. The Lord will put a concept in my mind that I need to look at or I need to think about. I'll begin to, I'll begin to experience as I'm, I'm evaluating my life and thinking about what I've, I've been investing my time in. In the presence of the Lord as I'm presented before the Lord, then the Lord communicates with me. For people that say, well, I've never heard God speak. You have never spent enough time, apparently, just listening for Him because He's speaking. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You know what that means? That means he's speaking. The question is, are we his sheep? And then the second question is, why are we not hearing his voice? If we're running off, way off, off in the wilderness somewhere, we don't hear his voice. But if we're where he put us, if we're where he told us to be, then when he speaks, we're hearing him. Amen. And he says, they recognize my voice. Praise God. He's that good shepherd. So he wants to speak to you. So when we talk about prayer, we are talking about communication. Not just, not just my laundry list of asking God, I want this and I want that. And, you know, I, I want you to do this and I need this now and I need that now. But truly communicating with the Father through Christ. Hearing and listening for him. It includes praise. Worship. Don't, don't, just, don't just spend time in the Lord without worshiping Him. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, I mean, even when Jesus taught them to pray, how did He start that prayer off? When they said, Lord, teach us to pray, how did He start it off? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. That's a statement of praise, of glory, giving Him glory and honor and recognizing Him. It involves study or preparing yourself in those moments. So be ready to hear and to, and to act upon what you hear. And it involves meditation. Do you know, meditation is something we have let many in the world steal from the church 
And, and we almost have this idea that meditation is some type of Eastern thing that we need to stay away from. Let me tell you, the Bible says meditate in the Lord. David would meditate upon the Lord. He would let his word, he would meditate upon the word. I want to tell you, if we would meditate on the word as much, if not more, than we let into our mind the world, we would see some changes. Amen. Meditation. So, so these are, this is what our prayer, personal prayer, should look like. Amen. And then our personal prayer, devotional prayer, will build our relationship with the Lord. And then it also builds some great things in us. Here's some things that prayer builds in us. This is why it's important that you do it. Prayer builds strength. Amen. The more you pray, the stronger in the Lord you will become. Prayer builds character. A person that truly prays will be a person who watches his ways. Build character in our lives. Prayer will build faith. Because the more you communicate with God, faith is growing. And you are moving forward. And the last thing I'm going to say to you about this devotional, personal prayer time and why it is so important. Because what we're talking about, it is a command. We are commanded to pray. I read it to you, Ephesians chapter 6. Pray always. Pray, then, Paul says, without ceasing to the church as well. Prayer is a command. Prayer is a communication line. And this type of prayer needs to be a constant diet. That means that we need to be consistent in this personal prayer time. Can you, can you say amen to that as a church? We need to be people of personal prayer. If we cannot... I started to say master the art, but really it's probably not mastering. If we cannot practice the principle of personal prayer, we will, we will never be able to be what God called us to be. Amen. The second area of prayer then that needs to be prioritized in our life and, and is powerful is this. It is intercessory prayer. And there are some people called to be intercessors, but the reality is... All believers should be intercessors. Because we are in Christ. And you know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And so if we are His. We are going to be intercessors. Amen. And that happens when, when we don't get so focused on our personal needs only. And we begin to focus faith and attention on others. And we begin to listen to the Spirit so He can lead us to pray over other things. When we partake in intercession, we are being like Christ. And we are being led by the Holy Spirit. Have you, how many of you have ever had moments of intercessory prayer? How many of you have ever been in personal times of prayer when all of a sudden the Spirit of God will bring someone to your mind or something to your mind and lead you in a time that you may not even fully understand what's going on, but you are led to pray for that person or that issue or that situation? That's intercessory prayer. 
That should be happening for our country. It should be happening for our leaders. It should be happening for our churches. It should be happening for our brothers and sisters, for our family members. If we're spending personal time with the Lord, He will lead us into intercessory time for others. Jesus even told Peter, hey, you're going to fail me, but I've prayed for you. Amen. We need to be listening for prayer. Intercessory prayer is when we are called to stand between God and man or between a person and a situation. And we are standing between in prayer led by the Spirit of God. Mm. And we're not hoping to receive something for ourselves. We are hoping for benefits on behalf of another. Amen. We're not interceding for someone else so we can get some juicy gossip that we can go tell everybody. We're praying for others believing for the benefits in their lives. Here's what we find through intercessory prayer. We find the key to freedom for those that are in bondage. Do you know the Lord has led me in intercessory prayer on on a few occasions to give someone that was struggling with something a word from him on something they could apply that would bring freedom to their life from that situation. It wasn't in my own wisdom. It was because God had led me in intercession. Intercessory prayer, we will discover, is a spiritual battle. Have you ever been in a spiritual battle of intercessory prayer? Come on. We should be. If you've never had that, if you have never had that burden that just wouldn't let go and pray, here's what I've discovered. It's a spiritual battle when the Lord leads me to intercede for another or for an issue or a situation. It is a spiritual battle and it is an intense battle, but then there is a release that will come. That you know you have connected with whatever it was the Lord was wanting and you'll find the peace of God. And intercessory prayer always starts with the spirit of giving. Because you have to be willing to give of yourself for this type of prayer. Amen. Now, back in Ephesians. Remember in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful then. But verse 19, and Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me. We, we need to be interceding on behalf of others. So before we can take this journey together, we need to understand what, what when we talk about prayer, what it's going to look like. It's personal. Communication line prayer. Devotion time. Presenting ourselves before the Lord. It's intercessory prayer. Praying on behalf of others. Praying over needs. Praying over situations. And intercessory prayer is the most practical and powerful way to show love for others. Amen? I'm going to ask you a really hard question. And those of you online, you're going to get off easy because I can't see you. Here's the really hard question. And you don't have to answer. I'll just ask it as a rhetorical question. Have you ever had someone tell you a need and you said to that person, I'll pray for you. But then you didn't. See, the most practical and powerful way that we can show love for others 
is first to pray for them. And let God lead us as to how we can respond to them. There are things we do. We show love on Wednesdays when we're handing food out. That's a practical way of showing love. We're just giving something that's given to us because we want to help others. But prayer is something we can always do. And it's a way of showing love for others. Okay? Now, I'm I'm not going to just keep going in this because we'll kind of pull out some of these things as we walk through the book of Acts. I just want to lay this foundation. What, What... does intercessory prayer involve? Well, it involves individuals. So sometimes the Lord may lead you to pray for individuals. It involves families. The Spirit of God may lead you to pray for families or your own family, interceding, your church, your country, your government, your world. Amen? What if we spent more time interceding about the problems of our world than expanding on all our great, vast knowledge of how to solve all their problems, what if we just spent time interceding? Amen. And let God lead us. And then intercessory prayer proves and produces some important qualities in us. I hope, I hope I'm not boring you to tears. I, I, hope, I hope you're hearing this and this will challenge you. Intercessory prayer will produce some important qualities in you as well. Remember we talked about what personal prayer will produce. Well, what about intercessory prayer? Intercessory prayer will produce your usefulness. How can God use you if you won't even pray for other people? We all want to do great things for God. But if we won't intercede over families and people and situations, how can we expect God to use us? It will produce our obedience. Because when the Spirit leads us to pray, we will stop and pray. Let me, let me say this to you. And I, some of this is probably foreign to a, a new church culture that we live in today. But, but let me say this to you. I don't care where you are or what's going on in the moment. If the Spirit of God puts someone in your heart or some situation in your heart to pray over... You need to stop whatever you are doing and you need to spend some time praying for that situation right at that moment. There have been testimonies after testimonies after testimonies of people who who were led to pray over issues only to find out later that at the exact time that that burden had come into their life, somebody was going through something and they prayed and, and felt a release and God had answered on another end whether they understood it all or not. And if we are not interceding, if we are not involved in that, we, we are missing those opportunities. What if God is calling you in that moment to intercede for something that's huge that you may not be fully aware of and you just slough it off and don't involve yourselves in it? Amen. Your obedience is found in intercessory prayer. And your devotion is proven through intercessory prayer. Amen. It's the proving ground. Before you move to the next level, and I'll finish here, which is one-on-one prayer or prayers of agreement or ministry prayers. This is the prayers of laying on of hands way back in the old days before the virus took over when we used to could lay our hands on one another. Amen. Now we just have to kind of 
use the force, I guess, and pray that way. But before you can truly powerfully be used in that ministry prayer, you need to prove yourself in personal devotional prayer before God, and you need to be willing to be an intercessor. Amen. Young preachers in a different day, the day I grew up in, especially young Pentecostal charismatic preachers in the day I was coming up in. It's a different world today. I recognize that for, for so many people. They don't have the same experience as I did as a young minister growing up. But as a young person coming up in ministry, I, I, had, I had people I looked up to. and You'd see God powerfully move through them. You'd see the power of God as they prayed with people, and you'd hear, you'd, you'd feel that anointing in their life as, as you would hear them pray, and you would see them, and, the, and, and, and in your heart was a desire to be used like that, to speak words into people's lives, to, to lay hands on them and see them healed, and, to, and to, to see God do deliverance work through your life. And those were things that we were striving for. It was long before the days of all the stuff of today. I'll just kind of leave it at that. It, it was a, a, a different day, I guess you could say. But it was a driving desire in our hearts. But if we're unwilling to intercede in private. Why would God cause us to be powerful in public? If we're unwilling to be concerned for others when no one sees it, how selfish is it to just want to be used powerfully in public? I think that's what got a lot of people. I think that's what messed a lot of ministers up. I think that's what, what, why, why you would see so many that it seems like they would get puffed up in themselves or they would take the, the place of God in their own ministries and lives and great would be the fall thereof. If we're not willing to do the hard work in private, we set up for failure just wanting the public. Amen. It's one-on-one ministry. It's ministry that, that, that is, and it's not just for preachers, and it's not just for ministers. One-on-one ministry, it should be happening in the church body. It's like altar work ministry. It's one-on-one ministry, whether you're in the church or outside the church. When you're leading people to Christ and praying the prayer of faith over their lives and leading them to salvation or praying for them for sickness and, and disease and stopping by hospitals and praying for people that are sick or, or, or having a friend or a family member, a church family member that is struggling and depressed and struggling and down in isolation and loneliness and, and you stop by and be there with them to pray with them that that's that's the kind of prayer that i'm talking about the when like the bible says if you're sick call for the elders of the church call for the church family and let them anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith and it can save the sick amen that stuff almost sounds foreign to us well isn't that what the isn't that what the paid pastors do no it's supposed to be what the church does the body of christ Amen. Because we're gifted. We're called. 
And you may not ever stand up and preach a message in front of a congregation. But you can have ministry, prayer ministry. In those one-on-one settings, it can be so much more effective. Amen? Growing up, some, some of the people that top my list in my mind when I think of people that are prayer warriors are not the pastors that I had, as great as they were. Most of them are some of the little old ladies that when I was a little boy used to scare me to death. Because some of them would get you down there at the altar and they would basically tell you, you're not getting up out of here until you get everything right. <laughs> right? Now, growing up in church and kind of having a little bit of heathen in me, I guess, because I grew up in church too much, sometimes I'd just say prayers so they'd leave me alone and I could get on back to my seat. But if I was in trouble, or if I needed something, I knew who I could turn to. Oh, how, why wouldn't we want to be those people? Why wouldn't we want to be the people that when your coworkers, they may laugh at you and make funny, but when they're in trouble, they say, would you please pray for me? Are those family members that you're hoping to see come to salvation? Why wouldn't we want to be the type of people that they may avoid you at every family gathering because they're afraid you're going to witness to them. But when they're in trouble, they know how to come and talk to you and say, would you pray for me? That's that ministry prayer. And here's what it takes. These, these prayers of agreement. Here's what, and I'm going, to, I'm going to stop here. Here's what it takes. It takes a personal experience with the Lord. If you want to be that type of person of prayer it takes a personal experience with the Lord. You have to have a personal encounter with Him. You have to be willing to be led by the Spirit. How many know the Spirit of God will always lead you out of your comfort zones? Amen? You have to be led by the Spirit. You have to be willing to be bold in faith. AJ and I have been talking some about that boldness. When he'll see me, he'll talk about boldness. You've got to be bold in faith to be that type of person of prayer. That one-on-one, that ministry prayer. You have to be bold. And you have to have some discerning of spirit of what's going on. Amen. We pray for all. We want to be used of all the gifts and all that. I tell you one that we really need to pray about. We need some discerning of spirits again. Hmm. If we'll do that, God will begin to use us. If we'll have personal time, and I'll, I'll just stop there. He, he says in Ephesians 6, pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. He says, watch with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then he says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make the mysteries of the gospel known. To the Gentiles. So now, prayer, because I want to be one-on-one ministry. I want to I want to be so pray for one another in that. See, those are the three areas, and we're going to begin looking at these through the book of Acts as we go forward. But until we understand what it is we're needing to be involved in, we'll miss it. So examine your own life. Challenge yourself. How are you doing in your personal Devotional prayer life. I'm not here to judge you on that. 
I'm just, I'm just here to tell you it's, it's vital and it's important. And that also should include your family life, by the way. Prayer. Harry, when was the last time God used you in intercessory prayer? Are you able to see beyond your own problems and needs and things long enough to hear the Spirit of God call you to pray for something else? And thirdly, are you willing for God to use you in prayers of agreement? Ministry prayers, one-on-one. Because if we're willing in those three areas, God will do for us exactly what He did in the book of Acts. How many want to be that kind of person? Then we have to start somewhere. Amen. And we have to start me here first. Let it start with me, Lord. Lead me towards others. And then give me the opportunity to be used. Amen. Stand your feet with me tonight. God called Ezekiel prophet he, he he was looking for those that would stand in the gap that's interceding but he's going to find those people out of the people who have a personal walk with him that are presenting themselves to him and then those stand in the gap people are going to be the ones that ministry is going to flow through and that what God wants to do in the lives of others, they will be an integral part of. I hope that you leave here tonight with something. Or I hope that when you turn off the video tonight, you'll have something to think about. Something to challenge yourself with. Somewhere to get started. And something to ask for. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you.